I'm not sick or old. And you're not half the man I am. so much despair, I'm just going to have to take some more off you. Because you clearly haven't got the message. This is my town. If you live to see the dawn, it's because I allow it. I'm in charge of everything. I decide who lives or who dies. Your gunfighter's dead. Welcome back to This Is Hardcore Podcast. You just heard Final Boss. This is the new track of a new EP from my bro, Colin, of Colin Arabia. Uh, it's absolutely incredible. Colin Arabia has been around a long time. The band and Colin's been a mainstay staple part of the Boston hardcore scene and Brockton hardcore scene for even a longer time. In all these years, they've been playing shows. Colin does the awesome things with the Brockton VFW. Took a lot to lay out all the shit he's done, but to hear this new shit on this EP Trauma Dump, which has just been released on Triple B, it's, it's absolutely astounding. I mean, this band's been around almost 20 years now. And this is possibly the best material they've ever put out. And um, to know that they recorded it actually on analog tape is even cooler. Um, it's a five-song track EP. You can get it on Triple B. And I definitely think that you guys should check this shit out. This is obviously the best material to date for COA, the band, and Colin. And I really hope that he gets to get out there in front of all these young kids and uh, wreck this shit because every single song's a fucking banger. I'm really happy to be able to put put this on um, early on the show. Obviously, it's been three. This is the third week, so we um, missed two weeks. Two weeks ago, I was uh, in the midst of 
the chaos of putting together the end of a job that's pretty big. This is the stuff that happens in my non-hardcore life is that from time to time I have to step up and be a normal person. And lately the priority of making sure that the part of the world that pays my bills, which is the Union Concrete shit, has to take priority. And I remember waking up what I thought was Thursday morning and saying to Jess, hey, when I get home from work today, I really got to put out a podcast because... been so busy, I haven't had the time to schedule guests, working on that now for future episodes, so you're not just hearing me travel on for a couple minutes every week and get tired of listening to the show. Thank you for anybody who reached out, but yeah, I actually woke up and she was like, dude, it's fucking Friday and we gotta put out trash, and it kind of blew me away, and then last week the same thing, just I, a lot of what I'll talk about soon kind of ties into this, but... Sometimes I don't get to go whole ass into the all the things I'd like to do because of the things that I need to do. And it's 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 followed me through a lot of my life and um I I was pretty bummed out also over the over the last 2 3 years of doing this podcast. I had always hoped that on episode 141 that I would have an episode with like Dan Murray or somebody from one for one and we could have deep dived into that but unfortunately it wasn't to be and it is what it is but uh, my apologies for those who actually look forward to Friday morning and look forward to listening uh, the only thing I can say is is that we are hours away from the end of the love park job and the back to my sanity it's also weird because I was in the midst of love park in 2021 this podcast was really starting to take off, and uh, we got to go back there and rip up more of the garage, and our good friend Justin Clemo got to learn how to do anything. It's been a lot of fun, but I, when I put my ass into this kind of thing, I come home wiped out, and there's days that just kind of blend into each other, and it's a lot of it is wake up, go to work, do the minimum you need at the house, go to sleep, wake up, and redo it, and... It's not the the world's greatest excuse, but it's the most honest thing to say is that sometimes when, you know, this isn't this isn't the living that I make. It's not a podcast. It's it's a hundred percent on getting up and the older I get that I have to prioritize being good for the work because that's what is gonna get me to the next point in my life. It's not gonna be churning out uh podcast episodes as of now or probably ever. But again, there's so many cool people that reached out. I'm like, yo, are you good? What happened in the episode? Yada, yada. So we're going to be back on track and getting shit scheduled. Especially with Keystone Jam coming up in three weeks. We're going to have some cool episodes. Just kind of like people involved in that stuff that's going on. Hardcore's in a really great place. Obviously, I say that every week. You should know that by now. When we have different people from all over the city doing shows. Even if it's the shows that we don't do. You know, R5 Production had some big shows with the Painted Black. All these younger kids are doing shows in these small rooms. New bands are popping up. The out the outpouring of crowds is incredible. You know, um, it's had some really big shows lately. Philadelphia, because hardcore is on a high end. And lucky to be a part of it. Not so able to be front and center for everything. But it's still a huge part of my life. And... This podcast was a way that even if I was working a lot, 
I could get out there and still, you know, have some have some fun, have some talks, have some some influence, go over the old stuff, yada yada yada. But I do feel bad that I didn't get episodes out for the last <laughs> two weeks. But again, primary concern sometimes will always be making sure that the shit that I do on my day job stays on point and um it's <laughs> to the to the point that we even uh, I we had a couple band practices for punishment Saturday we are playing bonks which in itself is just cool I kind of I kind of <laughs> I don't really want to be hanging out at bonks where it seems like all the pictures are just people outside smoking cigarettes and Young kids kicking each other in the face. I was a part of that kind of shit, but I don't think I would. I'd rather stay on the couch some nights. I feel bad for not supporting Stucky and Bob at the shows, but sometimes that they're working all day, just get tired. But the 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 bonks atmosphere allows younger promoters the opportunity to do cool shows, newer bands to play a small room without the stress and without the worry of the and the room not being full because it's a pretty small room. And um, this ties into the punishment thing this weekend is that we were asked to play a show by Kareen who uh, shot out. We had him, on, we had his uh, band on the podcast earlier on. Shot out, really starting to do some things. Started did, did a couple day touring. Had a turn down playing a cool show to play outside. And I respect the decision to kind of grow their name. Um, he reached out. He's like, yo, I'm trying to put this benefit together and I would like punishment to play and typical to punishment. We really don't have drummers on, on standby here at this point. And, uh, the, 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 the latest drummer to the fold is out there doing what most punishment drummers do, which is God only knows what, but doesn't have the opportunity to play. And they offered their amazing drummer, John, who's a local Philly kid, grew up in Philadelphia. And um, shout out covers rising, so we got the opportunity to have somebody who was familiar with the material jump up and um, Mike Mig on guitar, Mike Ferrero on bass, Eric Walk on guitar, and I'm still at the helm on the mic. And um, yeah, show is going to be all the proceeds are going to the Everywhere Project. This is uh. This is one of these like life mission kind of things where somebody from the area puts assets and resources to people in the neighborhood, be it the, the insane trank fentanyl opioid crisis that exists in the area and other things. And to be honest with you, the easiest way to get me to play a show is to say it's a benefit because at that point, all the money in the world doesn't make it worth it. You know, it's just about the play and the benefit. Actually, as I've said this a million times on shows, some of the, the best shows to play are benefits because everyone is happy. No one complains about when they play. No one complains about anything else because, hey, it's a benefit show. But this is a special, this is something special because uh, Hard Turf is playing, Shot Out is playing. I mean, that alone would just get me really fucking psyched. Um, oh, that's all uh, the old homies, young homies, but then to add Fool's Game and Freight Train to the mix, um, 
I don't know this band Hyperfang, but hopefully they're homies too. I think I was told something like Disconnect, Discontent uh, can't play. But ultimately, the show is Punishment Fools, Game Free Train, Shot Out, Discontent, Hard uh, hard Turf, Hyperfang. And yeah, $20, everybody's got to pay. All proceeds are going to the Everywhere um, Project, to Bonk's Bar. It's going to be a fucking awesome time, and I'm glad to be a part of it. Uh, touching, tying all this shit back in is like a lot of what happens when people do these bands these days is that they focus heavily on the next step, the next thing. It's like a game. It's like a one of them grinding out quest kind of games, you know? And there's a formula that's been created that if you just do these couple things, you know, your band's going to get to a certain point. And I, and I really am just disillusioned by it. And I see it all the time. Um, and I'm not disillusioned because we didn't follow the process because we were ahead of... We were in a different lifetime than what's going on now, but it relates back into it. It's like there's a a static, like I would say, a outline. Like you know, you can just fill it in. You know, release this, do this, tour this, do this. Get manager, get booking agent, go on weekend runs, and go on these. Uh, you know, do your first opener. You know, like all these little things that happen. And the band themselves feels like this is the way we have to do it. And it's just creating this carbon copy monotony without the chaos of it. You know, the chaos of what the road was. And yeah, blame the internet, blame technology. But, you know, not everybody traveled the same path. And I find it bizarre now that the the people that see success it's almost like they feel like there's like a cheat code like i know in the video game world there's like walkthroughs on computer games and regular games you can just kind of cheat and look and see how to beat the game without ever having to but this isn't a game man this is a fluid moment in your life where you hopefully are taking advantage of opportunities to meet new people get to play other places and it's the exposure. It's the, uh, as we talk about it many times, Ernie Talbert, who's been in a better situation than the podcast episode we did back way back two years ago, said access and exposure is really like the key here. The access and exposure that band people get by just being in a band is more important than the success that a band gets. And I say that because so few bands ever really make the kind of actual money that it starts with a story like, yeah, we started the band in the garage and here we are 30 years later and we're celebrating this record and we don't have to have a living from anything else, you know? Um, so it, it, to me, it's like if, if the outcome is that most likely you're going to have a lot of fun playing shows. You may get to travel, you may get to see and do things that other people from your family, from your neighborhood never got to. Make it about the experiences because the money may never come. And if the money's come, then you're lucky. And it's there too. But there's a, there's a numerical factor and there's a money factor that just drives a lot of this hardcore stuff now. And it, and it makes it hard to care. Not 
in the sense of I don't care about her. No, I'm, I'm. It's immersed. It's a huge part of my entire life. My my past. It's a part of my present. You know, it's it's a huge aspect of my life. But to know that there are people that have these concepts in their head that like all they have to do is these couple things and it's then they're on the easy street and you know maybe there is that but it's not my hardcore world you know like I don't know why it took Colin so long to sound like two of the bands I know this motherfucker loves which is like some of them songs have like pure unadulterated slap shot meets killing time vibes the fucking riffs the every everything sounds and I, I guess it takes a long time to get to the point where you're doing that kind of stuff. And I find myself just wondering, like, why why would you get into something like this if it was just going to be, like, a cheat code for you? Or, like, hey, this is a stepping stone. I never understood it. You know, I never, never was, I, I was, I say it probably a million times on the show, like, going to Europe, if you're from my neighborhood, is a blessing. Down the shore and up the mountains. It's the only places where people from Philly go. Might go to Florida because they got cousins that lived in Florida. You might see some Philly people say they go to Florida now because of this damn Bob Wilson and his amazing FYA. We got the fucking dregs of society from Philadelphia coming down to Florida once a fucking once a year now to the point where Florida's tourism board is going to tell Bob like, "Hey, look, we like your fest, but uh, leave all these fucking Philadelphia people at home next time, okay?" And that's really the way it is, right? Um, this is a blessing to be able to play and know people from all over. Yeah, there's the internet and all that, but the band focus should never be on a cheat code. That's all I fucking see, and it's it's like a wash. It's a you know, it's a, we're bereft of any kind of value that is in the community and in the culture. In fact, the culture is almost like. Uh, like a a far back memory, you know, like the, to the point where like the average conversation regarding hardcore music, if you're talking to people backstage in these bands, is like their own personal bands' journeys and, or bad music that would underline nothing or would follow in no category that has anything to do with hardcore. So find myself hard to relate to the experiences of the the hardcore scene that follow that that being said in the last year or two i've just seen some awesome shit come out and awesome bands and awesome kids growing into these people that will be the people that are going to impact the next generations you know like we we're making our impact now on these newer folks but it's these newer folks that are going to carry this on and, you know, the Delaware kids are growing. Um, Shay's in that band. No, no, Nomad. Andrew's doing a lot more with the Delaware hardcore shows. Like, all this stuff coming out. Um, I love seeing Oscar grow with his Vulture raid. All these things just show me that whatever we put in front of people is working at least in our own sphere of influence. You know, like, maybe nationally because of... Hate five six and people liking the shit that me and Bob do, and to a lesser degree, Stucky's at. We might have an influence a little bit wider, but in our local area, 
The pasture is green where these kids aren't talking that way. They're not saying these things about like, you know, like the little cheat code I mentioned. They're just going for it. They're going for it. They're renting vans. They're playing in small towns. You know, they're getting up and going to work in the morning. They're making it happen with school still. And I feel like we're still doing it right out here. And that's an aesthetic, but it's also like a principle thing. And I think that's just part of it is like the principle of hardcore wasn't really like, hey, you know what? We're going to make a living and a career out of this band. In fact, it was almost like mocked. You could see it as far back as like, you know, the fucking New York hardcore documentaries and all this other stuff. I, I doubt if you ask Siv, in 1991, if he was still going to do Gorilla Biscuits 30 years from now, he'd probably laugh at you. But here they are. Gorilla Biscuits, one of the most important, impactful hardcore bands in the history of hardcore, and they're still doing it and still killing it. You know, it's like, I think when the right intentions are made, oh, by the way, still, you know, in control of their destiny, still doing the things that they want to do with the bands they want to play with. I think the right people who take on the right attitude and don't go for the career. Don't go for the cheat code. Don't think that it's just a simple process of step A, step B, step C, etc. They just do it because this is what they want to do. They're going to last. And that's that kind of goes back into, you know, uh, it's not like a long-winded explanation for the excuse. But, you know, it, yeah, like, you know what? I don't like missing a podcast episode. But I also know that if I go to sleep at one in the morning like I was doing in 2021 and 22 and, and coming into work I'm not the I'm not with the I'm not what I need to be mentally and physically at this point but also I'm not where I need to be to do my best in the daytime and it just becomes like some goofy cycle so when I'm wiped out I gotta sleep fucking if, if I don't have a guest on and my brain is rattled from thinking about the deadline that we had and, you know, how long is it going to take us to do this and this and all these other factors that just cloud me. I just get wiped out. You would think that construction is completely just a, like, you know, people talk all the time, just talk about, like, working class people. It's like, oh, you know, they're just working class and it's like no one really understands what the stuff goes into to finish a project out or to complete tasks it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of focus and it takes a lot of process of step planning and it relates back to my show booking it relates back to the fest it relates back to all the stuff these things that kind of correlate now you know like bizarrely enough even some of the SCA stuff even some just having the confidence to step up on the line and say hey everybody we're going to step forward or hey we you know hold this line you know the, these kind of little things you know, like that happened before I was in charge of stuff. Or little iterative life lessons that would help me along the way to get to where I'm at. And, it, and it's a growing point. I never was expecting it. I left I left the world of hardcore. <laughs> Ironically, it's not left, but, you know, I was going through a lot. And I stepped out of my comfort zone and stepped into a... South Philadelphia Recreation Center in December or January of 2007 and found the SCA world and it's a lot of skills and friends and things that I learned that just apply and I never would have thought that that would have been the case 
and yet it applies to my regular life, it applies to my friends, it applies to my knowledge of the world, and all these other aspects. And it wasn't planned, and that's kind of where I'm going with this whole thing. It's like a lot of this shit wasn't planned. I didn't expect to be a Union Concrete guy, you know, until I was about 26. I really, aside from working stucco, and then uh, I worked with a handful of local concrete contractor guys where primarily I ran real barrels and, you know, helped out parge walls, and then me and my father were doing a side business. Never really thought concrete and masonry was going to be the ultimate thing that pays me, but it worked out that way. And it worked out that way because a guy who I met in 1996 came to me and said, hey, do you want to make more money than you ever had in your life? Despite how dumb this guy is and gets on my nerves sometimes, it was really nice of him to offer that. I was able to join the laborers' union and make a living wage for the first time in my life. Not that I wasn't making good money, but like, you know, as as you get older, you watch the, the money you used to make doesn't pay the same kind of bills, so it was good to have this. And I just took opportunities as they come, kind of formulated and filled in my life thing. And so by accident, I end up in being a union concrete guy who by accident got to go and play the world not the whole world, played in Europe, um, played outside of the world of Philadelphia. All This is all non-intentional. And it all happened because of the path that we were on, the people that we fuck with, and it just organically happening. There was no set model. There was no, hey, you know what? Like, this is the only way that this is going to work out. You know, just... I feel like everything happens serendipitously and then everybody, every different person kind of ties back in later in life as you keep moving forward. That's the way it was for me, man. So like when I see all this stuff that seems like somebody's just trying to like cut, like perform some video game, collect this, do this, save this person, get there, do that. Yeah, sometimes it works, but it doesn't, it doesn't work for everybody. And that's the way most of us have gone. It's just serendipitously we end up. I serendipitously ended up in a lot of these things. And, um, yeah. Mentally, um, at times I get just get I get really fucking chaotic, too. Everybody who knows me understands that the ADHD gets out of control. I mean, when I get really ramped up and there's too much going on, I'll, like, lose shit by accident. Completely by accident. And, uh tear my entire life apart almost um it's almost embarrassing but it's kind of funny at times like oh, once again i lost all this shit and then i find the shit it's like dude like for instance like losing a debit card and going to the number change and it's chaos and that's when i get overloaded and i was getting to that point again when i took the two day, two weeks off just to focus on this job um and I, I I lay all this out just to explain that like to start punishment wouldn't have been possible without Mike Mig. Mike Mig having access to the Echo Studios in Bristol. Mike Mig, who had been in bands before, like legit bands, Card for Life and other things. You know, like he him wanting to do a band wasn't cool. Was cool. 
And then he had Sam, rest in peace, Sam. Sam, you know, uh, Sam was our first drummer. I brought to the table Mike Brown, who didn't have a bass player, who didn't have a bass, and Damien, who uh, loved integrity and a lot of metal stuff and was a decent rhythm guitar player, and we pulled it all together. And, you know, just everything that we did was organically like I don't know you want to do this I don't know you want to do this the only thing that was burning in our heads me and Mike was that we really wanted to tour like this war you did and we really wanted to get back to California and we kind of made it like a a young person's like oath like we're going to do this we're going to in a year from now we're going to be back with our band and it was like the idea was centered on that one thing like going to California at, with our own band and playing like Gilman Street and seeing our friends and you know we were the roadies at this warrior but it was good to like we want to do our own thing and the drive was there the application and the early songs were there but we didn't have a formula and we didn't have someone to step back and say hey you guys should probably do this instead of that or maybe you should do this instead of that I mean we recorded our demo and our friend Jamila, who's an ass whooper, black belt in jujitsu, Jamila Weaver, um, was uh, we recorded it in their living room, like a four track. So you know it sounds the way it sounds. We didn't have an organized set of sounds and ideas. We just took the name Punishment because we liked Biohazard. I also Mike's band Scarred for Life, so it was kind of like cool. He had two bands named that are awesome biohazard tracks but when it really comes down to it there was no plan and little by little we pulled things together and little by little it pulled some of us apart mike and sam were really not trying to play like two and three shows every fucking weekend when you're young something simple can be an argument and then it's like well fuck you or well guys i guess you're not doing this and you know we've been friends for so long that it's silly to think of us not being friends over something stupid like that. But, you know, throughout all the years of doing these bands, never had that. This is a, even when, um, you know, in the midst of the last Punishment tour, which was like the most fun yet chaotic thing ever. I booked a tour for Punishment. It was going to be like our last time touring. I was about to have my second child. And I really started to have to focus on a real life. And Philadelphia shows were getting better. But I had like a real life. My, you know, like I had a real things that I was like, all right, I can't just, just drop everything and just tour once in a while. And, uh, but then um, Blacklisted needed a tour. So we booked it. And then Blacklisted was like, no, we're doing this other tour. Sorry. And then they're like, oh, no, we're not doing that tour now. Can we play that tour? So our last U.S. tour was with Blacklisted on their first big run, and it was just a nightmare of chaos, and it was typical of me being stretched in and having to pull together shows that were confirmed and then dropped and had to play different rooms because they lost the holds because we said we're going to drop it, and it was still fun. We brought a ton of our friends out, and I thought I was done, and at the end of the tour, my life, my personal life was a little chaotic, and... uh. I got a phone call to play in Shattered Realm. And the way I looked at it was like, all right, well, cool. I get to be in a band that has the ball rolling 
and not every decision is mine and I can just fucking go on autopilot and just have fun doing it. And it was fun, you know, from 04 to 2009. That was a a lot of what I did was just do the Shattered Realm stuff. But even that was chaotic. You would think with UOG Records and all that. But, I mean, they really re-released a record that gave us artwork that was not used by Barrier Dead. <laughs> like, here, here's your re-release. We're going to give you artwork that Barrier Dead didn't like. Um, Joe took it upon himself to double check the master, which is why we have the goofiness on the Spotify where the one song starts at the beginning. Cause Joe did an excellent job making sure that the track started when they did, you know, um, <laughs> leave that alone. But you know, it's like one of them funny things like I'll make sure it's done right. And it was a complete catastrophe. And then, you know, the song Jones, the track is called Jones. It's not the song name. And then you think like, oh, you know, like John Wiley, you know, Eulogy's a real label, but the application of what we're doing still made it chaos. And touring the same way with Punishment was the same way Shattered Realm toured. When those guys first started touring, we only had like a year and a half of touring over them. So we kind of helped them and then gave them a little bit of a blueprint for the U.S. tours and hooked them up with the same friends. So it was easy to transition for me from Punishment to Shattered Realm because it was basically the platform for Shattered Realm. Only they had said yes to Eulogy. We were said no to Eulogy because I didn't want to be on a European label, which is possibly the dumbest mistake I made with Punishment because... We're not really well known there because we didn't have records out there, but that's the way the world works. And I'll say that I never thought Punishment was the greatest band anywhere, but it was fun. I liked doing it, and it was a way to get away from Philadelphia. It was a way to get away from a life that I wasn't ready to start living yet. And um, I could go to work and make money and not have to worry about things, but I wasn't living like a full life. Punishment was the escape. And I had to escape the escape to another escape, which was Shattered Realm. But the union work really locked me into like, hey, you got to get up. I got to around some grown men. <laughs> like, what are you going to do with your life? You know, I didn't have that. My father was on drugs most of his life. And by the time that uh, the last Punishment tour happened... He and uh, he and I were done. That was it. We had a complete falling out. It just didn't really hit a home run with normal life for a while. But I had jobs, made money. I was union. Um, tried to get in the union a couple times for cabinet making, but it's a, like a long list. So when the union concrete came out, it was a balancing point of like, okay, this is your stability. This is what you're gonna balance everything on. This is where you're gonna get your health care from. And, and I just luckily fell into it because of hardcore. And um, all the stuff we did with Punishment, I wouldn't recommend unless you're really ready to fall on your face. Not fail, but just fall on your face and have to get back up a lot again. You know, like anything that's done is not a failure if you do it. It's something I'm dealing with now. I'm trying to teach myself how to be a, an acrylic, paint with acrylic and draw more. I miss it. I was never good at it, but I want to try it and get better. Um. You have to just fail. You have to keep doing it until you fail. And then you'll get better because you'll learn or you'll not learn. Never learn from some of the mistakes because 
the repeat process was so similar. How are you going to change the outcome if you're doing the same things? That's really the only difference here is like, whereas the structured idea I brought up earlier in this podcast would be, here's the steps. As you're doing these things in hardcore, you're doing shows, if you're losing money, maybe you're spending too much money on your expenses, maybe you're offering too much to their bands, maybe you're getting taken advantage of because you're a young promoter and you got to adjust. Like There's a lot of things that we just did over and over again and expecting different results and it just didn't happen because it was like, no, it was good this time, we just had to do it this, we had to do it again and it'll be better. And in hindsight, it's just funny to see that. Now, if I saw like Clemo or, or them fool's game people doing it, I pointed out to him immediately, like, yo, it's not gonna house this not how it's gonna work. You're not gonna get you're not gonna get anywhere. You're not gonna get the results you're looking for repeating the same dumbass process. That being said, the lessons learned just carry on to, to today, to right now, to this minute as I speak, you know, like I'm happier knowing that the band in 23 years is still something if we wanted to play our own neighborhood people are happy about probably shouldn't play too much further outside of the neighborhood mind you and there ain't no european tour for punishment but the people that we wrote the songs about and the songs for still give a fuck and the people who live in this city and are part of the hardcore scene be it before we got there, when we got there, and now when we're running shit, are happy that we're playing. That's the, the best the best we can hope for. In my life, I'm not always the most organized person. I should be. I need to do a better job with some of it. But because some of the stuff is just repeat process, like, oh, this is how we do this, and there's a, you almost fall into the line of, like, you're just following, you know, previously successful procedures so i take for granted and it's like ah, i got time sometimes i don't have the time i'm gonna work on that a little bit but if you're a young band i would not suggest just trying to follow the leader copycat the stupid shit that people say is what's going to work to make your band bigger some of the worst bands are very popular because they have management early uh some of the Best bands no one knows about because they have no one pushing for them or they don't have the ability to travel. There's no rhyme or reason what is popular. No one no one can say for certain. There's no there's no better example than some of the randomness of what gets big, what gets ignored, but then becomes popular later on. You gotta follow what you do in everything. And that's kinda what I do. I kinda like I don't know why, but I understood once I got really serious about 10 years ago, you know, yeah, I was in the union, but it really took me about 10 years ago to go like, dude, you're in your early thirties. This is what you're going to do. You're going to make money in the daytime. You're going to do this hardcore stuff because you really love it. And the money that comes from this concrete is going to save you the nonsense of trying to ensure that everything you do in hardcore is worth it in some kind of fiscal return. That way when a show doesn't make money, it doesn't hurt you. That way when you don't get what you thought you were going to get out of it, you're still happy because you have a regular job. And, and that's really what turned the tide in the last 10 years. I was lucky that I didn't 
I'm lucky that I didn't give up on a lot of this shit. And I'm lucky that people like Bob Wilson and Stucky are stepping up. And now even Kareem's got a lot more shows. I'm lucky that I'm not so self-centered that I would say, oh, I've got to take care of everything now. Like, the ball will still run, but I still don't want to be away from it. So being invited to play a benefit show for a band that's older than most of the kids that'll be watching is an honor. It really is an honor to still be invited to the to the party. You know? It's easy when you do the shows, you can put your own band on it, but it's nice when someone outside of your friend group will say, hey, do you guys want to be a part of this? And then when you add the benefit aspect, it means everything. It's my looping around to the end here. Um, working on guests, working on talking about cooler shit than this stuff. Um, this is a good, a good, my apologies for not having something out recently, but, uh, the ball will be rolling. Winter is here. The days are shorter. So I'm home earlier. Things like that will get better. Been, been grinding hard, coming home mentally more tired than actually physically hurt, but mentally more tired than anything and um i just appreciate you all who hit me up and said hey what's going on and yeah the rule of three this year has been yeah we're gonna get another rule of three yeah we're gonna get another rule of three yeah it's it really is gonna happen um talk to richie and g all the time almost every day so it's not like we don't talk you know like two of my closest friends in the whole entire world we just gotta pull it together and um going to be booking this podcast out further i think that's the issue is getting the, everything on board to just organize and do and just set a longer schedule i think that'll keep the ball moving forward so i'm working hard at that me and jess will be getting that ready and then obviously we have keystone jam coming up saturday december 16th a month from now show selling well obviously we have a lot of really cool shit we've got this tattoo thing going on and our friend Lila is going to be doing a huge, um, I guess the you're, she's going to be collecting items. And I'll be um, talking about that with her shortly on this podcast. I'm going to try to get Richie and Chris together, talk about some Keystone Jam shit. Obviously got a lot of other things up my sleeve. It's just the actually following up with the idea, not just having the idea while I'm at work and not moving forward. And the plan is to push forward this. Um, a lot of other great hardcore podcasts that you should be checking out. And I will never not say support 185 miles south because they are the fucking, they're the podcast that I still, from the hardcore scene, listen to every week when it comes out. They, they just have some of the most... I would say aesthetically appealing, um, interesting dialogue. Love hearing them talk about different things that my um, that are really up my alley. I love the takes. I love the banter. I love the back and forth. I find that to be the just the, the one that when work is hard just keeps me at a nice pace. I really fucking enjoy it, um, and. You know, the guys are ace as well. But yeah, I I think I kind of uh. I think I think it kind of 
this is where I'm at. I have to kick some ass at work. I still love hardcore. Sorry that the ball got dropped and you didn't hear me rattle on for a couple weeks. But we're back. Um, My suggestions this week will be to check out all on Black Podcast, which is a John Hollier, John from Florida. He's got his podcast up. He talks about some really interesting shit that he did in Russia. I'll leave you guys to check that out on your All on Black is on the Spotify. And uh, my friends have a, a really cool horror podcast. And they just, I, I would not say it's just horror, but you know, a lot of it is video vampires. Um, my long lifelong friend Jess does a really good job. Check that shit out. I wish Richie was on the ball with this fucking, you know, post-America. I don't know what the G and Vinny are thinking, not having another fucking Broad Street. Maybe we'll get everybody together. I don't know. I, 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 I wish we're, I think it would be cool as fuck. You know, um, in general, this world is a crazy place. Hardcore is a great anchor in the way of finding... Friends that you love, friends that you learn from, and gives you the opportunity to leave wherever you're at if you are able to jump in a van and do it. I suggest everybody try it at least once, but don't make a career out of it, and don't think that there's a set formula. Every band has their own journey in front of them, and not everybody gets there in the same time, but if you grind hard enough, you'll eventually find something, and that's the truth. It may not be your first or second band as we're learning as these new bands um, are growing and they're changing up, I would also suggest check out the Bayway full thing. It's out now. It's been out for a minute, but it's still fucking one of the best things. Shout out to Hold My Own just for kicking ass and selling out two shows for their uh, release. Hardcore's in a good place, and hardcore can take you to a good place, but if you're not mentally in a good place, it's not going to fucking matter if your head's not going to get on straight in the right way. We know a lot of people like that. Uh, Holidays are coming. Don't read the internet in the way that you don't have what people on the internet have because most of the people that project on the internet don't have it. They're just projecting to make themselves feel better. And I'm sorry that every year I have to say that, but it's important. You know? Don't give up on life because things are hard. Find people that you can be around that will push you through the bad times. Um, We have a really awesome thing where we get together on a lot of birthdays. Got to celebrate Bob Wilson's birthday. Got to celebrate Mike Mike Barletti's son and our friend Furio Barletti's birthday. It's crazy to think this kid's 23 years old now. Absolutely insane. Got to go back to Villa. It was a good time. Life is good if you look for the good things. Sorry I haven't talked to you guys in a while. TIAC podcast. The only link that will be up will be for the Colin stuff. And hopefully we'll get CIA on the uh, COA on the podcast. And um, thank you. All right, I'm done here. Have a good night. And I'll talk to you next week. Hopefully speaking to someone else so you're not just hearing me prattle on again.